Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about the taste receptors that exist deep within your internal organs. Then, you'll learn about the two major forces that determine what a group of people can accomplish with physicist and entrepreneur Safi Bacall. Let's satisfy some curiosity. I love eating. When you think about it, it's kind of sad that you can only enjoy the flavor of a food while it's in your mouth. I mean, once you swallow it, that's it. It's beyond your taste buds. Or is it? Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) It turns out that you have way more taste cells in way stranger places than you ever imagined. And these mystery receptors are essential for your digestion and metabolism. In the early 2000s, researchers at the University of Liverpool unearthed a surprise when studying how the gut absorbs nutrients. They found that the walls of the intestine are wired with the same glucose-sensing cells the tongue uses to detect sweetness. In other words, they pretty much found taste buds in the intestines. Once the scientific community caught wind of this, the race was on to find more taste receptors in surprising places. Robert Margolsky is the director of the Manel Chemical Senses Center in Philadelphia and a key figure in this taste receptor research. And according to him, scientists have found taste receptors, quote, in the stomach, in the intestines, in the pancreas, in the lungs, in the central nervous system, in the testes, in the skin, unquote. What use do these organs have for taste buds? Scientists can't be sure exactly what they do with every receptor, but the general idea is actually pretty simple. The taste buds in your mouth help guide your decisions about what to eat. Back before most people had easy access to salty, sugary, and fatty foods, humans' ability to taste helped them choose the foods with the nutrients their bodies needed. The taste receptors in your gut don't help you consciously make decisions, but they give your body important information it needs to digest the food you've decided to eat. From the moment food enters your mouth until the second it goes out the other end, your digestive system pretty much has two jobs— break food down into simple molecules, and absorb those molecules. That's where the taste receptors in the gut come in. Digestion is simple in the abstract, but it's an extremely complicated process of chemical reactions and physical movement in reality. Many parts of digestion depend on your body knowing the location and concentration of nutrients throughout the digestive tract. Your internal taste receptors collect that vital information and use it to carefully orchestrate your digestion, metabolism, and appetite. Today's episode is sponsored by Purple Mattress. If you've ever gotten a taste of a good night's sleep, then you know how much the quality of your sleep affects the quality of your daily life. And if you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, then you've got to try a Purple Mattress. The Purple Mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced because it uses a brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. So it feels unique because it's both firm and soft at the same time. The Purple Mattress keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's breathable, so it sleeps cool. It's not like the memory foam you're probably used to. When you order, you'll get a 100-night risk-free trial. If you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full refund. It's also backed by a 10-year warranty with free shipping and returns. You're going to love Purple. And right now, Curiosity Daily listeners will get a free Purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's on top of all the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text CURIOUS to 84888. The only way to get this free pillow is to text CURIOUS to 84888. That's C-U-R-I-O-U-S to 84888. Message and data rates may apply. Today's guest will help you understand the two major forces at work in almost every team or organization. And understanding those forces can help you figure out what's motivating both you and your colleagues, and maybe even help you achieve great things. 
Safi Bakal is a physicist and a biotech CEO who took his company public, and he also worked for President Obama's Council of Science Advisors, among other accomplishments. He's also the author of the new book, Loon Shots, How to Nurture the Crazy Ideas that Win Wars, Cure Diseases, and Transform Industries. Last week, he explained that you have two forces in a glass of water, namely entropy and binding energy, and the balance of those forces determines whether that water is liquid or solid. In the same way, there are forces at work in groups of people that determine what that group can accomplish. Here's a two-in-one lesson in physics and group behavior. Whenever you organize people into a group, you create two competing forces. If that group has a mission and a reward system tied to that mission, which is essentially any team or company or nonprofit organization or military or nation, whenever you have a mission and a reward system to that mission, you create two competing forces. Stake and outcome, perks of rank. Stake and outcome, perks of rank. For example, when you bring 10 people together, stake and outcome is huge. You're a tiny biotech company and developing a cancer drug. If that drug works, everyone's a hero and a millionaire. If it fails, everybody's unemployed and looking for a new job. That's a huge stake and outcome. Well, there's perks of rank. You know, you're the team captain or you're the team member, but that's almost irrelevant. It's like tiny, nothing compared to those giant stakes and outcome. Now, imagine the group gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Now let's imagine it gets up to 100,000 people. I'm just going to make up a name at random here. Pfizer. 100,000 people. Now, what are your stakes and outcomes? Same you, same project, same cancer drug. Well, the revenue from a drug like that is actually, you know, it's a couple hundred million. On the other hand, Pfizer's annual sales, 50 billion. So your stake and outcome all of a sudden has gotten really small. Perks of rank, though, if there's a meeting and a committee and should we evaluate, should we do this new drug... Well, you know what? If you could actually make kind of smart aleck comments about the flaws in that early stage project, oh, you know, they didn't do this experiment, they didn't do that, I think the industry is headed here and they're not really being careful. And by total coincidence, that's exactly what your boss thinks. And she's sitting in the room and her boss thinks and she's sitting in the room and they're nodding along and say, well, that young fellow has a good head on it so they know how to find the flaws. It's very thoughtful. And I think the industry is headed there too. What a total coincidence. And if you can keep doing that pretty well, guess what might happen? You might get promoted. And all of a sudden, you get a bump in pay of 30%. So we've just flipped. The force of perks of rank become huge, and stake and outcome becomes tiny. Somewhere in between those two, boom, there's a phase transition. And that helps us give a completely new way of thinking about why small teams unite around crazy ideas. They roll up their sleeve, they disregard rank, and just save them. Because early stage ideas, whether there was a transistor or the statin drug or almost any new technology you can think of failed many times before it succeeded. And so smaller teams unite around those ideas and save them because their stake and outcome is so huge. Whereas larger teams focus more on rank, unless companies are careful, unless teams and groups do something to counterbalance that problem. Why? Companies need to do both. Otherwise, they have no business. It comes down to how could you possibly do both at the same time? And this is why it's such a big problem. A system can never be in two phases at the same time. Water can't be liquid and solid, with one exception. The one exception to the rule is life at 32 Fahrenheit. Right at the brink of a phase transition, if you bring a bathtub to 32 Fahrenheit, what happens? It separates. You get blocks of ice and pools of liquid. Blocks of ice 
in pools of liquid, and they coexist in equilibrium. But here's the key, and this is the key that makes all the difference. They don't just sit there statically. Neither one gets bigger or smaller, they just separate. It's completely dynamic. So molecules and liquids swim along and encounter the ice and boom, lock onto a face of ice and freeze. Molecule on the other side of the ice cube might start jiggling off and boom, go into the liquid and start swimming around. It's a completely continuous loop, back and forth, back and forth. In science and physics, that's called dynamic equilibrium. Phase separation and dynamic equilibrium. And that's the key that few larger companies that have figured that out, Microsoft is one example, Google is another very good example. Actually, Lego has done a very good job of that. The few companies who figured that out have understood those principles. That is poetry, right? Like when you take the principles of physics and describe them to talk about how groups of people think about innovation and work together? Yeah, pretty awesome. Safi told us that you're going to get opposing groups in pretty much any organization, but the conflict between them is actually good. The trick is finding a leader and cultivating a culture that respects both sides and treats both with equal consideration. The best leaders manage the transfer between the people coming up with the new ideas and the people playing it safe, and see them as equally important. There are many more takeaways in Safi Bacall's new book, Loon Shots, How to Nurture the Crazy Ideas that Win Wars, Cure Diseases, and Transform Industries. So what did we learn today? Well, there's taste receptors all over our body, and scientists are trying to figure out why. But it's kind of cool. I taste things in my arm. <laughs> I taste things in my gut. But it's mostly it's mostly your digestive system, and it's mostly to help you digest things. Sure. And we heard Safi Bacall use principles of physics to explain how groups can achieve great things. And there are two forces at work. Stake and outcome, which is basically what you'll get out of the results you produce, and perks of rank, which is basically the stuff you already get from your position. Yes, and also, you can hear the full uncut interview that we had with Safi on a podcast called The New Books Network. That's a podcast that features long-form interviews with authors, like very long-form, like much longer than Curiosity Daily. And once in a while, if Ashley and I have the chance to sit down with an author for a really long period of time but can't have the whole interview on this podcast, you may be able to access it on the New Books Network. So go over there and subscribe. We'll put a link in the show notes, and you can hear more from Safi. Today's first story was written by Grant Curran and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Today's episode was scripted, produced, and edited by Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.